It's episode 122 of the Keto for Women show. You're listening to the Keto for Women show. This podcast provides the tools you need to create your own expression of a healthy ketogenic lifestyle so you can stop obsessing and start living. I'm your host and nutritionist, Sean Miner. Now, let's get on with the show. Hey, hey, friends. Welcome back. Thanks, as always, for joining me for this episode of Keto for Women. Today, we have a very special guest. Can't wait to get to this episode and my chat with Jill Thomas, who is a hypnotherapist. Real quick, I actually don't have any major announcements, but... I want to prep you for next week when I will have a very major, very important, you'll definitely want to know about this announcement. I can't say anything here yet today, but make sure you tune in to next week's episode and you will get all the details. I can't wait. I'm like bursting at the seams, but I have to wait another week. That's all I have to tell you for this episode. So let's get right into my chat With Jill Thomas, first, a little introduction. As an intuitive hypnotherapist, clairvoyant reader, author, medium, and vocal channel, Jill Thomas is able to help clients move past limiting beliefs, discover their authentic selves, and create a life of peace and harmony. Jill has helped thousands of people realize lifestyle and wellness goals they could never before achieve, including losing weight, overcoming debilitating phobias, healing toxic relationships, enhancing athletic performance, and attracting prosperity and success. Among many of her accomplishments, her most recent book, Tales from the Trance, published by Ozark Mountain Publishing, is available now. Jill has also authored her well-known weight loss book, Feed Your Real Hunger, Getting Off the Emotional Treadmill That Keeps You Overweight. She has appeared on numerous radio shows, maintains her popular online blog, Confessions of a Hypnotherapist, and has authored articles for magazines read across the nation. Her 30-day weight loss jumpstart CD has helped many people finally lose the pounds after years of trying. And now Jill is here to talk about the mindset shifts we need to make for losing weight. Let's have a chat with Jill Thomas. Jill, thank you so much for coming on the Keto for Women show today. Thank you for having me. I've always wanted to talk to a group like this. It's so much fun to chat with women who are working on improving their health using this this method, which I highly agree with. Yeah, I know. I'm super excited to have this conversation too, because really, I think anything that any of us can do to remind women and continue to remind women what is actually involved with losing weight, that it's not just you know, the diet and there's just the things that we know that are really easy, I think, to go into when we go on that journey. It's not just about that. And that's often why it doesn't work, right? So I'm really excited to get into this with you. But before we do that, I want to introduce you to everybody. So why don't you give us a little background on you, where you came from and how you got to where you are today? I would love to. I love talking about myself. I'm a total yeah. narcissist at heart. You know, <laughs> we all um, do. <laughs> I am a hypnotherapist. I've been doing this for 15 years. Only about 12 of them. I've actually been doing it for money. For the first three, it was just for fun. And that's the best way to start a business. Cool. But my weight loss journey actually started. I used to weigh 220 pounds, and I was one of those people. I'd always been overweight. I'd never been able to lose it, and I had been on every freaking, every people say this, they had been on every diet. I literally had been on every diet and I had read every book and nothing worked. And the problem was the reason nothing worked was because I was approaching this problem from the neck down from, you know, calories and just counting and doing all the things. Of course, we know those things don't work anyway, Mm -hmm. but I wasn't looking at the mindset, why I was habitually eating more food than my body needed. And classic story, boyfriend that I had, I thought I was going to marry this guy. He breaks up with me, says he doesn't find me attractive anymore. And then of course starts dating one of my friends. I'm sure you've heard Mm. this story before, right? And he gets engaged like 10 minutes later. And I remember being really, really super upset about this and thinking, okay, the reason this happened was because I'm overweight, which is by the way, not true, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I had decided that I was either going to lose the weight or I was just going to learn to be happy at 220 pounds. 
And I decided to learn to be happy at 220 pounds. It's a nice round number. I can, you know, I can still wear clothes. And I just didn't, I was sick of fighting. I was sick of spending so much money on makeup and junk and clothing because my weight kept going up and down depending on which diet I was on. Mm-hmm. And I was, just, I was sick of that battle. And something interesting happens when you hit rock bottom because that's what happened for me. You start to open your mind up to different ways of looking at things and realizing that it isn't just about the food. If it was about the food, we would all succeed because if you can set the emotions aside, you can actually stick to a plan and not feel bad when you can't have cake at a birthday party. It's easier to do that if you can set those emotions aside. But women and men too, but women especially, let's be honest, have a lot of trouble setting the emotions aside when you're trying to eat healthier. And that was part of my problem too. So as soon as I did that, saw that what was happening was I was beating myself up. I was spending time feeling bad about every morsel of food that went in my mouth. All of a sudden, my mind started opening up to other possibilities of ways of looking at this. Maybe I am eating too many carbs. Maybe I am looking at this problem the wrong way. Maybe I need to work on loving myself. And as soon as I started to do that, the weight came off and I was able to make healthier habits because I wasn't hungry all the time. Because I was hungry for things that had nothing to do with food. Like, I wasn't hungry for food. I mean, you know, exactly. most of us are really not hungry for food all that often. Right. I was hungry for love. I was hungry for affection. I was hungry for attention. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I started meeting that actual need that I was really hungry for, I stopped being hungry for food as much. And I've, I've helped a lot of people with a similar journey. And it's a little bit harder road because it's not the one we grew up with. We grew up believing that you, you know, eat 1200 calories, drink a lot of water, all of which, by the way, you know, doesn't work. Right. But we grew up with that mindset. And if you're shifting it to learning to love your body just as it is and making healthy choices from that place, it is an entire mindset shift. And it's not as easy, but it's more satisfying. We've all seen the headlines in the news of how someone lost their life in an act of cold-blooded murder. And while it's sad and grabs your attention, most people go on with their day without giving it another thought. But have you ever stopped to think about the life of the person at the center of the news story? They were more than just a headline or a statistic. They were someone's loved one or friend. I'm Mike Morford, and my podcast, The Murder of My Family, dives into some of those stories to help listeners get to know the person who was lost and how their death affected those closest to them. Listen to The Murder of My Family everywhere you listen to podcasts. There are well over 100 episodes to binge on now. Hmm. Yeah, I can't. I mean, it's so great that you went through that point, your rock bottom point. And this was the same for my story too. So we connect on this level so much. My rock bottom point as well, I made the choice at that moment that I was going to love myself then. It wasn't when I was, you know, had already lost the weight that I wanted to lose, I had gotten to my body's happy weight, nothing like that. It was at my lowest point. And I think this is the case actually for a lot of women who truly find like self-love, just unwavering self-love. It's at that low point. And that was the same for you. And so I want to know more about how that felt for you, how it looked for you. If it was like an aha moment, or if you had to really go through this process to learn how to do it, how did it go? It was funny because I was, of course, drowning my sorrows in, you know, Chunky Monkey, I think is what it was, it was which is, by the way, awesome ice cream. You shouldn't eat it. It's terrible for you. But anyway, it was, <laughs> but I, it was in this moment, I was like, it can't be any harder to be mad at myself all the time or to love myself than it is to be mad at myself all the time. I mean, how could it be harder to do that? Mm-hmm. And the struggle part of it for me, and I'm, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to this, is that I felt like if I love my body, that I won't have the impetus to change. If I love my thighs, which were amazing because I could hike mountains, even though they were a little bigger than Cosmopolitan agrees with, you know, if I learn to love myself, am I still going to want to get healthy? Am I still going to put the candy bar down? And that is actually true. When you learn to love yourself, you start to see your body as sacred. You're less likely to want to put things into it that poison your body. Mm -hmm. And for me, there was a bit of retraining because society tells you, by the way, Fat shaming is not a weight loss plan. That is complete BS. It doesn't work. If it worked, we'd all be thin because we get fat shaming messages all day long from the media, from magazines, from our friends, you know, so-called friends, whatever. Right. But for me, that was a little bit of retraining because I had to catch myself saying mean things. I had to catch myself saying, you didn't get that job because you're fat. No, I didn't get that job because they'd already picked somebody else before I even went into the interview or for some other reason, or who, who cares? It has nothing to do with my weight. Oddly enough, you kind of have to catch yourself, but it's a little bit of trusting too. For me, it was trusting that 
loving myself didn't mean giving up on being healthy. It meant coming from a place of love rather than a place of hate. Because we are trained, especially as women, to hate everything about our body unless it's perfect in the eyes of some other person who's created this, you know, set of arbitrary set of perfection rules, whatever those are. And all of that is nonsense. It's a way of putting women down, really. I, you know, as a feminist, I see the diet programs and the weight loss programs as really a feminist issue. It's a way to keep women under control. You see this with the media, particularly with politicians. I hate seeing when they talk about, you know, a woman's haircut or how much weight she's gained. I mean, that's a way of minimizing her on a very personal level mm-hmm. and keeping us from moving to or even trying to get to the highest levels of of society. And part of it is just catching yourself. And I know it's tough because it's a habit. Beating yourself up about your food, about every fork morsel of food in your mouth is a habit. We learned it from a really young age. You've got to unlearn it because it's it's the key to losing weight. It really is. Yeah. And, and it starts with awareness. It starts with just even noticing that that is going on, that that's how you've been programmed. That's what you believed since you were 10 years old. And those thoughts, they, you do have the power to change that, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. But it comes with awareness and it does come with faith, faith in Mm -hmm. yourself. Mm -hmm. It doesn't, you know, right now, whoever's listening to this right now, you are perfect just as you are. You are wonderful. You are deserving of good things. You're deserved to be happy. I don't care if you're 700 pounds, you're still deserving of all of the wonderful things the world has to offer. The minute you start believing that you are going to release yourself from the cage that's keeping you eating more food than your body needs, and you'll be able to really get to a healthy place, whatever that healthy place looks like for you. Yeah. And I love that you brought up the fact that it seems like a lot of people, when they think of loving themselves as they are now, and it's not where they want to be, uh, then that comes with accepting where they're at, which means that then they can't want to change, or then they have to pretend like they love every part of their body and change can't be something that they, like they're basically giving up, right? And wanting something to change. And that has nothing to do with it. I wrestled with that too. I'll be honest. I was afraid that if I love my waist, that I'm not going to want to get healthier because at the time I was, I was really kind of teetering on the weight where you start to get to worry about diabetes and things like that. But I I realized that that's not true at all. You know, when, when I love my body, when I love that sacred space about my body and think of it as wonder, I can think of my body as wonderful at 700 pounds with you know type two diabetes, which I don't want to have, but you can still love yourself and still want to give that body the most sacred, healthy food possible. Mm-hmm. Those things aren't mutually exclusive. Right. Yeah. It's so true. And it's okay that you can still work towards change or desire something different for yourself or your life or anything like that. You're not giving up by any means. You're just moving on or you're moving into a different headspace, which I think is really important to realize. As long as it's not, you know, the, the weight will come off if you don't make it punitive. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's not about, I hate you because you ate too many cookies at Christmas. Well, mm-hmm. everybody did. Everybody <laughs> did that. We all did that. <laughs> I, I love my body no matter what. And when you get to that place and that does take practice, then you do start seeing yourself in a different life. And by the way, it's not just about your weight. I know for me, when I was losing weight, and I'm sure you had the same experience, it wasn't just about getting rid of the Twinkie bars, Twinkies, mm-hmm. uh, Twix. It was actually Twix. For me, it was Twix. Twix or Twinkies. <laughs> Twix for me, but it was Twix for me. It's not about the Twix. It was getting rid of the unhealthy relationships. It was, it was not letting my boss bully me. It was not letting life bully me. I started to see where my low self-esteem was impacting every aspect of my life. And when I stopped saying no to being mad at myself, I also stopped saying no to guys who were not a good match for me, to bosses who didn't treat me with respect, to my father at times being just kind of a jerk sometimes. (laughs) I had Mm -hmm. to stop. I set boundaries everywhere and I created total health, which was more than just, you know, a few pounds on the scale. It was a much healthier, happier life in general. And so now you, this is part of your practice as a hypnotherapist. This is something you work with women doing. Absolutely. I do not focus on the pounds, although usually that's, you know, that's a quantified, people like to have a number, mm-hmm. but to me, it's all about loving yourself. And when you get to a place, when you love yourself, everything changes, everything gets better. There's there, you know, you know, this with food, there are some foods that are addictive. And so with some clients, I will do an addiction model with, you know, addiction processes around particularly sugar and wheat. 
some things are highly addictive and that you kind of have to look at it as an addiction rather than just I'm overeating because I'm emotional. Some foods really are difficult to let go of. But for the most part, it is about loving yourself. And by the way, not everybody's excited about this, particularly when the parents bring in a teenager and they're, and I hate, I hate saying this, but when parents bring in a teenager and they're projecting their own weight issues onto their, their mm-hmm. kid, oh, but she's eating too many carbs and she's not doing this. You know, every teenager does. It's, that's part of being a teenager. <laughs> it's like, yes, we all did that. But you have to learn, teach her about love, teach them about loving themselves because that's what really matters. A very confident, overweight woman is a very powerful thing. A insecure, very sad, you know, thin woman is not a very powerful thing. Mm-hmm. Right. This Keto for Women episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. I wanted to partner with BetterHelp because I know that many of you listening right now are working through some personal issues, some life circumstances, something that is taking a toll on you mentally, physically, and emotionally, and it's keeping you stuck. And since we're all here to better ourselves and our health, we need to come at it from all angles. I firmly believe that professional counseling is a non-negotiable tool for many of you on this journey you're on. BetterHelp connects you with professional counselor in a safe and private online environment. It's so convenient. You can now get the help you need on your own time and at your own pace. You can schedule secure video or phone sessions, plus chat and text with your therapist when you need it. BetterHelp has licensed professional counselors who specialize in depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, sleep issues, trauma, anger, family conflicts, LGBT matters, grief, and self-esteem. BetterHelp is available worldwide. It's secure, it's convenient, and it's professional help. Best of all, it's a truly affordable option. Keto for Women show listeners get 10% off your first month with discount code KETO. That's K-E-T-O. I think we all know how to spell that by now. Get started on healing yourself mentally and emotionally. Go to betterhelp.com slash keto Simply fill out a questionnaire to help them assess your needs, and then you'll get matched with a counselor that you will love. That's betterhelp.com slash keto. Get 10% off your first month with BetterHelp using discount code keto. So then when people come to you, is it just obvious that Yes, they come to you with the idea of weight loss, but you can see quite clearly they haven't done the mental and emotional work that needs to happen. They're very much in that physical, like, what do I physically need to do to lose weight? I will sometimes suggest a nutritionist like yourself, Mm -hmm. because that's really not my area of expertise. There are some programs that I know work well for most people. Keto is one. I love keto. I've seen a lot of success with that. I think in general, low carb works really well. But for the most part, the first thing that I always ask them isn't about their food. If they're overweight, I already know they're eating too much. I don't need to even know what it is. I ask them about uh, the relationship with their partner. I ask them if they were ever sexually violated. People don't realize how much a sexual violation at some point, any point in your life, will cause you to put on weight unconsciously as a way of protecting against that. Mm-hmm. Any kind of domestic violence, but particular sexual violation is really the key. If, if you've ever been... I don't care if you're molested when you were six and you didn't gain the weight until you were 30, you still need to go back and process the healing of that violation because that violation will cause you to put the weight on anytime you get triggered with feeling unsafe or sexually unsafe, if that makes sense. Right. Right. So fascinating. Yeah. That's the thing. And that's what I love about the work that you do is that it's almost, in my opinion, it's easy to see a nutritionist, get a meal plan, get on some supplements, maybe do some lab testing, that kind of stuff, which is what I, you know, very much what my business model used to be. And now I'm starting to work in this mindset space because this is the hard work. This is the stuff that we're not taught. We're not thinking about. It's definitely not in the media, although I think it's starting to have a little bit of a trend of like, hey, we have to do more about the thoughts and beliefs that we have, but it's just not talked about nearly enough. And so this is why I love the work that you do and asking these kinds of questions that people wouldn't even think of and just past experiences that they don't correlate with excess weight on your body. 
And like you said, as a protection mechanism. So I love that you're doing that and really getting people to think outside the box to what's really going on, because you can do every single diet out there. You can be on all the supplements. You can be absolutely perfect, never eat a piece of cake or whatever, and it's not going to happen. And I think that that's what you see, I would assume, is that there's the yo-yoing or just they gain it back because they haven't done this kind of work. Absolutely. And I love what you just said about the nutrition, because I I say that the nutrition part is simple, but not easy. Mm -hmm. The harder work of healing yourself. And and quite frankly, and I'm sure you've seen this in your practice. Some people are not ready for that harder work. Mm -hmm. Oh, you mean you want to talk about when I was raped when I was a teenager? I don't want to talk about that. I just want to look at, I think that's the hardest part. They're not ready. Yeah. And I, and I feel, I understand. I have, I wasn't always ready. (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) I wasn't always ready. That's not easy. But when you heal that deeper problem, that real well of, of hunger that's deep inside of you, when you heal it, losing weight becomes easy and it becomes permanent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. It's just, there's so many more pieces to the puzzle than what we want to think or what we want to try to control. And see, you say that that nutrition is, well, what did you say? You said nutrition is simple, but not easy. Simple, but not easy. Yeah. And I say the same thing. And I actually say the same thing about some of the mental work, it can be really simple, but it's one of the hardest things you'll ever do. But it's a very simple process or just if you start thinking about it, it makes a lot of sense, but that doesn't make it easy by any means. No way. Who wants to look at that stuff? I didn't right. want to look at that stuff. Right, exactly. I don't, want to look, I don't want to address the fact that, you know, I came from an abusive household. I don't want to talk about, you know, somebody's drug addiction. Nobody wants to talk about that stuff. And any people ask me, what, how, what does it do with my weight? It has everything to do with your weight. Mm-hmm. That's the reason you're holding on to it. And healing that changes everything. And it isn't just your weight. Like I said, it is going to be your, your better love relationships, better relationships with your family, setting better boundaries, more money. People get a lot more money. People don't realize this. It's giving you insider information here. Emotional eating and emotional spending are the same problem. It's Mm. the same problem. So when you heal one, if you do it the right way, by the way, calorie counting is not the right way. If you do it the right way, you're going to find that you're not shopping as much either. Because people are just, they're craving something. If I go to Target and I buy the new shoes, I'll be happy for like five minutes. It's like a drug addiction. Yep. You know, and then some of those same people will actually return the stuff and then do the same thing tomorrow. But it is the same problem. This is why some of you have already seen this. When you go on a diet, a really strict one, like the 1200 calorie one, which I just love because it's a complete fail. It's one of the greatest train wrecks ever. (laughs) (laughs) When you go on that diet, you are going to go to the store and start buying stuff. Because now you've taken away your drug, you're going to go to the other drug, which is the shopping. Mm-hmm. It's so true. And you still have to get that fulfillment from somewhere. Yep. So then you just get a lot more clothes. <laughs> Lisa loves it when we do that. Lisa loves it when we go on a diet. It's awesome for them. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Now, <laughs> I'm just curious, do you use hypnotherapy to kind of break up some of this? Some of these? Absolutely. Yeah. One of the one of the things I'm glad you bring that up because that's one of the, the reasons I think a lot of people who lose a weight, and I'm sure you've seen this, they lose the weight, they get to their ideal weight and they keep it for about 10 seconds, 10 mm-hmm. minutes, maybe. Yeah. 10 minutes yeah. if they're lucky. Part of the reason is because you don't realize this, but in your mind right now, there's an image of yourself at whatever weight you are. And most people never update that image. So when you go to the store to buy clothes, and I've seen clients do this who lost 50 pounds, they're still looking for the wrong size. They're looking for the size 22 pants rather than the size 10 pants mm. because their mental image is wrong. With hypnotherapy, one of the things I'll do, and there's a lot of things I do, but one of the things I will do is help the person by updating that template and creating the imagery around themselves at their ideal weight, interacting like they're at their ideal weight, talking to people you know, I'm sure you've had this experience too, when you lost the weight, somebody who's overweight is basically invisible. A lot of women can relate to this. Going to the store, they could be lost, can't find anything, people won't help them. But if you get to your ideal weight, you suddenly get a lot more attention. And that can be very, very uncomfortable if you're not used to it. I I know for me, it was a huge, very uncomfortable. Like Mm -hmm. people will come and tell you where to find stuff in the store. I didn't know that happened. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't happen when I was 220 pounds. I was invisible. But Things change. And if you don't update that inner image of what it looks like to be you, then it can be hard to maintain it. And being you, sometimes in cases means changing your roles within your your social structure. 
I know for myself, I was always the fat friend. I was never competition from with my girlfriends for dates. And now all of a sudden at a size eight, the guys they were interested are suddenly interested in me as well. You know, I was always the, the confidant, the fat friend, but now I'm not. So the roles shift a little bit. And I had to be able to stand in my power and realize I'm the same person. I need to get more comfortable with this way of being. And that's part of the problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So fascinating. I love that. I like the idea of you can basically just kind of have a new template in your brain. Yeah. It's a blueprint. I think of it as a blueprint because we have in our head what we think we look like. And if you have an image right now of you at 300 pounds and you're trying to get to 120, it's going to be really hard to get there and stay there if you don't update that image. And you can do this. I mean, hypnotherapy is great. That's the tool I use. If you don't have access to that or you can't, you know, it's not something you want to afford, try doing even just self-hypnosis and go in and create, just create a new image, but make it just more than what your body looks like. See yourself interacting with people, see yourself more confident, see yourself coming from a place of power. Now, I'm not saying you need to be thin to be confident and powerful. I want you to start practicing being confident and powerful now. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's one of my biggest pieces of advice is whatever you're striving for, weight loss aside, it could be anything act like that now. That's the quickest way really to bring it in. Exactly. Exactly. I have a girlfriend who's, she's a belly dancer. She weighs like 300 pounds and we'll go out to coffee and like one guy after another will come over and ask her out. I mean, she never would have to pay for a meal ever. ever. <laughs> and it's, it's beautiful to watch, but it has nothing to do with her weight. Mm-hmm. She's, she's not the ideal weight according to Cosmopolitan magazine, but she has so much confidence and she exudes this sensuality about it. She does belly dancing and she does a lot of really cool stuff. And that confidence is so physically attractive to people. And it's beautiful to watch because when I was closer to her weight, I would never have done that stuff. She mm-hmm. wears a bikini at the beach. I love that about her. It's mm-hmm. awesome. You know, so cool. <laughs> I love it. That's great. I love it so much. So then can you also through hypnotherapy do kind of go into the subconscious mind and start looking at those beliefs that we have stored and hopefully free ourselves of those? Absolutely. Yeah. For hypnotherapy, we can work on the trauma because a lot of times when you go into, let's say sexual violation, age six or whatever, you may have created the belief that you're not safe. You may have created an unconscious belief in that moment that you need to cover yourself somehow. You may have created a belief that you need to eat more food to hide So we can actually do some work on healing the emotional trauma, Mm -hmm. but also the set of beliefs that go along with it. For example, and and this is true for me too, I watched my mother emotionally eat from a very young age. I watched her do it. And so I learned, okay, if you have a really strong emotion, what you do is you go grab a box of Oreos and you eat the whole box. That's what you do. Because I saw my mom do that. Mm -hmm. So I created this belief that strong emotions that are too hard to deal with, I was creating the belief that I eat rather than going for a jog or going for a hike or crying or just letting yourself have a moment. Right. And we can go in with hypnotherapy. It's almost like reprogramming computer and change that belief system. Okay. So instead of doing Oreos, we're going to go for a run. We're going to walk the dog. We're going to play. We're going to handle the emotions in a healthy way rather than letting the emotions handle us. Got it. That's so cool. And I think often too, isn't it a case where a lot of people don't even know that they have these beliefs or like that even that event happened that led to that belief because they blocked it out. It's down their subconscious mind. They don't recognize it. They don't even know that that has happened. Most people are not connecting those dots. Yeah. Particularly because, and this happens a lot, because the, the sexual violation might happen, you know, at a younger age and they don't gain weight till they're 30. And they just don't connect that dots. And they don't realize that, okay, when you were 30, you started dating a different guy and then you got triggered again, feeling unsafe. Mm-hmm. There's some triggering that will happen that it will make bring that image, that memory back. And then you'll start to put the weight on again. If there has ever been a sexual violation in anybody's history, you need to get some counseling for that. I 100% guarantee it is a ticking time bomb that is affecting every area of your life, whether you know it or not. If you have these beliefs, the way to see it is kind of to look at your own life ask yourself, do I do these things? Do I eat when I'm upset? Do I run to food? Am I looking for food to make me happy? Am I looking for shopping to make me happy? Because it's really the same problem. Look at at how it's manifesting in your life and being consciously aware of it is the first step. So then you can stop it and change it. 
Yeah. And it's almost like you're looking for patterns. Like, Mm -hmm. do I always do this thing when this happens, you know, coping mechanisms, things like that, you can start noticing patterns in your life of things you always do. And like, actually ask yourself, why do I do this? Yes. I love that. I love it. It's hard. It's yeah, really hard. Really hard. <laughs> but but it's so powerful. You're just basically getting more curious with your own life and what you actually do with it. It's like, why why do I even do this? Isn't that about love too, though? Mm-hmm. You know, I love myself so much that I'm gonna want to pay attention to what when I do these things that you know are considered naughty, right? Rather than like with your child, if your child is is beating his sister up, instead of just hitting him every time he does it, why don't you ask him why? you know, well, it's because I don't have enough to do. Well, I'm, I, I'm not happy. Okay. Well, we'll need to look at that problem rather than just punishing you and putting you in the punishment corner. Right. Yes. Do this for yourself too. There's always a deeper reason. Look at the deeper reason. It's harder. Yeah. And even the first time you ask yourself the question, why am I doing this? You're going to hear the, the same answer your child would give you. I don't know. <laughs> you gotta keep asking. <laughs> yeah. Keep, keep, keep digging, keep digging yeah, into keep yourself. Digging. Yeah. All right. Now I want to talk a little bit about self-sabotage oh, fun. and especially when it comes to, yes, weight loss for sure, but also just trying to be healthier because you know that that's like you have some sort of illness or you have a history of disease in your family or something like that. So you know that that's what you should do, should do in air quotes. I love the word. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you can't seem to do it or you start and you stop. So what is actually going on there? Okay. So part of what's going on is there's a mourning process. I don't think anybody realizes that there's a mourning process when you have to change your diet. If I told you today you had celiac and you can't have any more cake, if you didn't take a few moments or a little bit of time to process the idea that cake is just done, it's done, never again. If you didn't take a few moments to grieve that loss, you might really get upset and just sneak the cake whenever because maybe the consequences don't happen for a few hours or you don't see it right away. You have to allow yourself to just be upset about it for a little bit. Okay, sugar, you know, just going to bury it and work on making a bigger template for yourself. First of all, sometimes you are going to, you know, screw up and have some, it's okay. We're human, but allowing yourself to take a moment and just, why am I upset? Let yourself have this little grieving process and then focus on the things that you can have. If you take away all the fun stuff and never replace it, it can be really hard to make this journey work. So first of all, with with sabotage, part of it is you do need to have some fun things. Keto, it's harder because you're going to have to work a little harder to find fun foods that are keto. That's a little bit more work. Keto-friendly, yeah. Yeah, keto-friendly. And in our world, with you know, we have a kind of intuitive keto or finding what works for you. There may be a spot where you can have a couple bites of cake or maybe a piece of cake or whatever. And even if you do, it's okay. It's totally okay. And I think that's a big piece too, is understanding that it's okay. You don't have to beat yourself up when you do make that kind of choice. I love it. One of the keto books, and I can't remember which one, I wish I could remember which one. Somebody's screaming, we'll be screaming the answer at the phone right in a minute. One of them, he talks about, you do it 90%, 90% of the time, and you're going to be successful. And I remember reading that and thinking that is exactly the best template for life. Do it 90%, 90% of the time, and you're going to be successful. And if you allow for that and say, okay, occasionally this is how it's going to be, but most of the time I'm going to choose to make the healthy choice. As soon as you start saying, no, no, never, 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 it can become very difficult to succeed long-term. But if you occasionally just say, okay, okay, Halloween, there's going to be some Skittles. That's all there is to it. It's just the way it is, you know, (laughs) just sort of allowing. Yeah. Like I love Skittles and that means I had a good Halloween. So cool. Halloween, bag of Skittles. (laughs) That's it. (laughs) Yeah. Let's not fight that fight because we're going to lose it. (laughs) Right. Right. But the minute you say, no, no Skittles, you can't have them. Skittles is better than cake, by the way, because there's no gluten in them, but whatever. (laughs) (laughs) The minute you say no, never, ever, then you're going to have 10 bags of Skittles because now it's fun. Now it's naughty. What little kid Mm -hmm. doesn't want to get away with something, you know? Yeah, so true. Before we move on, I have yet another awesome brand to introduce you to that has a mission of creating natural, toxin-free, clean products for your life, and that is Native. Native creates safe, simple, effective products that people use in their bathroom every day, like deodorant, toothpaste, bar soap, and body wash. They use trusted ingredients that actually work. 
Their products are formulated without aluminum, parabens, and talc. They're filled with ingredients found in nature, such as coconut oil, which is antimicrobial, shea butter for moisturizer and emollient, and tapioca starch, which absorbs wetness. There is no animal testing on any of their products either. People love Native. With over 8,000 five-star reviews, Native has been featured in places like The Today Show, Women's Health, Elle Magazine, Good Morning America, Pop Sugar, Nylon, Hello Giggles, and more. Something we all love to see, less is more with Native. They have fewer, simpler ingredients, which is so important to all of us Keto for Women listeners now, so you know every single thing that's going into the product that you're using every single day in your bathroom. They also have great scents. Native comes in a wide variety of enticing scents like coconut, vanilla, lavender, rose, and cucumber mint. And they even release limited edition seasonal scents throughout the year. That sounds super fun to me. I want to be a part of that. They've also made sure to include unscented formulas and baking soda-free formulas for those with specific sensitivities. I've had the pleasure of adding Native products to my life for a little bit now, and I'm really loving them. I chose the lavender rose scent. Smells amazing, not too strong, which is really important to me. It's just a hint of this amazing lavender rose scent all day long. It's great. I've really put it to the test going to the gym and getting sweaty or having these long summer hikes. I leave feeling fresh, which is my big clue that they are actually working and will be effective. So that means they're clean and they're effective, which is so important for us to find. We've spent a lot of time lately talking about detoxifying our lives and products. I'm committed to bringing you trustworthy brands that make it easy for you to make this switch because I know it can be hard. Native is one of those brands I can fully get behind. And for Keto for Women listeners right now, they are giving you 20% off your first purchase when you visit nativedeodorant.com and use promo code KETO, the number four women during checkout. That's 20% off your first purchase over at Native. Going to nativedeodorant.com and use that promo code KETO, the number four women. And a big thanks to them for supporting this podcast and helping bring this episode to air. And with self-sabotage, so I'm going back kind of thinking of, say, like the sexual violation, Mm -hmm. started gaining weight at age 30 when it happened, you know, at age six, then that would also potentially lead to self-sabotage because that person then, say, tries to lose weight, but their body from their belief system is like, no, we have to keep this on. You're right. That's exactly right. There's a part of you that says, I want to be healthy. I want to be a ballerina. A ballerina is a size six. There's no getting around that. And the other part of you says, uh-uh, we're not safe. I don't want to go through that experience again. We have to put the blanket on. And you're literally fighting with yourself. Mm-hmm. You actually have to make both parts on board. You know, maybe you can maybe you can throw some pepper spray in your purse. <laughs> Protect ourselves in different ways. Coming up with a compromise. I'm going to protect myself in different way. I'm going to protect myself in a way that allows me to lose the weight. But it starts with acknowledging that that's part of what's going on. And that's where counseling and having someone like yourself or myself as a coach can really be helpful because it provides that outsider's perspective. I've seen enough of this to know that what that looks like. You've seen enough of it to know that what that looks like, but the client hasn't Mm because that's just one of them. We've had hundreds of these, you know? Right, exactly. And they don't see the connection at all most likely. Usually not. It's really sad. And then they, yeah. And they get into an even deeper negative headspace because then they think I can't stick to a diet. Like I'm not good at this. I'm just going to be overweight forever. Just, you know, this whole talk goes on in their head and it becomes even worse, but really there's something much bigger at play. And right now your body, like your biology is going to win. And right now it thinks like the only way I can survive and be safe is to keep this weight on. Safety trumps everything. Yeah. And think about it. If it really did make you safe, you should be thanking your body for that. Thank you for making me safe. Thank you for not letting me ruin my life. Thank you for that. But you know what? Pepper spray and an alarm system (laughs) actually worked better anyway. Any cop will tell you some, you know, overweight people get raped too. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Bad stuff happens to good people all the time. But yeah, you just have to to find a different way. 
So true. I love it so much. And then from there, it's like once you can really dive into those stories and those beliefs and start unwrapping them and see them just as what they are, which is, you know, beliefs and stories, not fact, then it almost is like the self-sabotage kind of takes care of itself. Yes, Absolutely. Because now we've got both parts of self trying to make you healthy. Mm-hmm. If you can convince the part that being overweight is protection, that instead of being protection, you could actually protect yourself by being thin and healthy and running faster and being stronger. Oh my God. Now that part's on your side. Now you've got both parts of self going, yeah, let's just drop these 50 pounds and let's see if we can do it by next weekend. Now you've got the whole team working on the same project instead of one part of the team working on the let's get healthy project and the other team working on let's do everything we can to keep it 300 pounds. By the way, you've seen people who can't seem to get past a certain number and it's always some odd number. It's never 300 pounds. It's always like 306 or something. That's something called the set point theory, which I'm sure you've heard about, Mm -hmm. but that is very real. And that is not just, that's a a number that your metabolism or your body has decided it's it's ideal weight and it will work like heck to keep, to stay there. And that's the, the role of that part that wants to keep you safe is it will grab a number and it will say, this number means we're safe. This other number means we're not. That's where you have to reprogram it, help it find a healthy balance at a, at a lower, more ideal weight. Yeah. And this is also so interesting again, being a nutritionist, because fully believe in the set point weight and know that that is a real thing. And so when we hear this in past episodes and things like that, then we think about what can we do physically to change our weight set point, which there are a few things that you can do. It's it's not really that easy to be honest, but there are a few things that you can do, but then that's all we do right? And then it still doesn't work or, you know, it's not what we think it's going to be. We have this like barrier because we haven't done that work. And that is what I find so fascinating is just the amount of things that we can do physically that we do do, especially here on the Keto for Women show. Like all the listeners are very into healing their bodies, but we look at it from a physical perspective. And then we completely ignore these like beliefs that we have, the thoughts that we're thinking, our subconscious mind, and then we can't get anywhere. And it's just, it's just fascinating to me that it's like this huge piece of the puzzle is being ignored. And it's not on purpose. It's just that people don't know or they're not ready. Like we said, it's a much harder piece. Like the neck down is much easier because we understand that body. I mean, we think we understand. We really don't, but <laughs> still working on it. <laughs> we think we understand the body better. We kind of understand how the chemistry works. We've gotten to a place where we understand a lot more of it, but from the neck up, that's a heck of a lot harder. And some sports physiologist is not going to be able to tell you how to handle your rape issue when you were six. Right. That right. is, it requires a different set of expertise and it requires love. You know, there's no product to sell you. Mm-hmm when it comes to healing your mind, companies love making you think that you're unattractive at your weight because it makes you want to buy stuff. Marketing companies figured out a long time ago that insecure women will buy a lot of things and they'll spend a lot of money on makeup and mascara and, you know, weight loss programs. Men don't do this as much, which is why all of these programs are targeted at women, by the way. (laughs) But the more they chip away at women's self-esteem by telling us that we're not good enough, we are not worthy because we are not a size three, which is impossible, then the more we're going to buy. And there's no product for work on your mind right. other than counseling. And counselors just are not advertising the same way that the company that yeah. owns advertising. Yeah. They don't hold a candle to these um, bigger. Not really. Not really. <laughs> but then I would assume then that you would suggest and recommend that someone does work with a professional in this realm too, to work on their mindset and their mental and emotional health while also healing the physical. Absolutely. Absolutely. I don't know how many times people come in and say, oh, I didn't even think about that as being a source. Oh, I didn't Mm -hmm. even know that the fact that my husband's cheating on me with my best friend would cause me to gain weight. You know, to me, it's so obvious, but that's because I've had three people like that already today, you know? (laughs) Right. They haven't. You see it all day. I see that all day and I can see it from the outsider's perspective, but the client doesn't have that. And, you know, if you, right now, if you were to go up to your wall and look at your wall you wouldn't know what it is, right? Because you're too close. 
if you step back, you can see, oh, it's, it's the beginning of a window. Mm-hmm. You know, you can see bigger perspective. That's what having an assistant or a counselor or a coach does is they provide you with perspective. Hey, if you turned around and you look at the backside, you can see that there's no chip. It's really not broken. It's just, it's not holding water as well. You know, if you, if you look at it from an, an outsider's perspective, you just get more information. Mm-hmm. So true. All right, real quick, I want to talk about sugar and sugar craving, sugar addiction, that kind of thing, because we kind of touched on it and that being a, a real thing. But but sugar is real, and sugar oh hell yeah is is a big deal. Yeah. So what do you see there? I hundred percent. I see it as a drug addiction. It is a very powerful drug, and they're finding now. You've seen probably the newer research is showing that they're thinking it may actually be as addictive as cocaine, mm. but. It is highly addictive. So it isn't just about with that client, it isn't just about working on their emotional because we are, we do work on that always, but there's a physicality to it. And I hate to say this because the simplest solution is the worst one. You just got to stop eating it. Mm -hmm. The only way around a sugar addiction is to stop putting it in your body. If you go to my website, I have some cool meditations to help with that. It's soul connect hypnotherapy slash free. There's a free meditation, but working on Sugar cravings is about healing it from an addiction model. I treat it as a drug addict. They're not a criminal. Mm-hmm. I treat somebody who's addicted to sugar as an addiction process. Also, wheat usually is very addictive. And those two products usually go together. People will have a cookie and it's just all right. sugar and all wheat. So you have to work on trailing off that addiction. So it's a habit. It's when I get triggered, I get upset, I reach for the cookie or the sugar. And just stopping it right now, anybody who's eating a lot of it, just stopping it right now, you're probably going to be miserable for three days and you may want to kill someone. Please don't. (laughs) Not legal in California. But just know that the reason you're feeling bad is because it is so addicting. Right, right. And so what's the hypnotherapy approach to healing addiction overall? I'm again, curious. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I just have the person imagine, well, a lot of times I'll do aversion therapy, which is not fun for the therapist, by the way. I just let you know, insider's information here. <laughs> if it's really bad, we have to do aversion therapy, which is that you think of sugar and then you think of the nastiest thing that you could ever imagine. I'm not going to describe it because people will just start throwing up. <laughs> you think of the nastiest thing you can possibly imagine and then fill it with sugar. Mm. And you start to, even just saying it, I'm starting to think, <laughs> but that can be really helpful. Wow. The other thing is to replace the sugar with something like stevia, which I'm not a big fan because I think that that just causes your mind to say, okay, well, it's still sweet, mm-hmm. but at least you can step down because stevia is not really addicting. Mm-hmm. Right. Or monk fruit or something that tastes sweet, just working your way down. Right. Just like you would any addicted, uh, if you're addicted to coffee right now, Anybody who's ever tried to quit coffee? Oh my God, it's like three yeah, days. Yeah, it is hard. I've done it. It's hard. Yeah. It sucks. It really sucks. And you do kind of taking that, taking little by little mm-hmm. off, having less and less and less a day is much better. Yeah. Sugar's tough though, because even a little bit will cause you to want more and more mm-hmm. and more and more. I tell people, with the, I hate to say it, with sugar, you really just have to go cold turkey. Yeah. But at least you could go to the stevia, the monk fruit for a few exactly. days or a week yeah, or whatever, yeah. and then try to cut that too. Yeah, for sure. And then with meditation, so you mentioned that you have some meditations available to help with the sugar cravings, that kind of thing. What is it about meditation that helps? So your unconscious mind does not know the difference between a real or an imagined event. So if I had you imagining eating sugar and then eating something really nauseating at the same time, if I described that to you when you were in a relaxed state, in a meditative state, your mind is going to put those two together and you're physically going to respond just as though you ate something really gnarly with a bucket of sugar. Mm. Your unconscious mind, it's like when you have a dream, you know, you, you have a dream and, and grandma's chasing you around with a cleaver and you still wake up scared, even though you think grandma would never do that. Grandma doesn't run and she's not going to have a cleaver, but you're, because your unconscious mind doesn't say, well, that doesn't make any sense you're still feeling all of the emotions. So when you go into that meditative state, which is kind of that state in between sleeping and waking, that's what meditation really is, and start to reframe it. Instead of looking at sugar as this great thing, you start to see it as poison. And reframing this mindset, it makes it easier for you to start to really feel, oh my God, that really is poison. I would never put poison in my body. I would never take that. I would never eat dirt. Why would I do that? and you start to change that mindset, it becomes easier to let go of the habit. So cool. I love that so much. All right, let's wrap things up here. 
I guess if you could give maybe one or two tips of people, just like based on what you've seen in your practice and in your own life, just one or two tips that people could take right now and start thinking about, start doing in their own life to love themselves, all that good stuff, everything we talked about. So whenever you catch yourself 10 times today saying something mean to yourself, just catch it, just watch it. Don't try and do a hundred because by the way, that will drive you crazy. (laughs) Try and catch yourself 10 times saying something mean and then tell yourself, stop. The truth is I love my body just the way it is or come up with an affirmation that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So if you find yourself, I hate my, my thighs look terrible. No, that's not true. Stop. The truth is my body is powerful and I'm amazing. And coming up with that and trying doing 10 of those every single day will make a huge impact because your mind eventually will reframe. Oh, my thighs actually are powerful. Oh, I'm really good. It's just an affirmation. Mm -hmm. Some people will say, you know, do it with like a little rubber band to stop it. I find that's kind of, that doesn't work. (laughs) I don't like that approach. But just tell yourself to stop, stop. No, the truth is I'm wonderful. The truth is I'm great. And with the sugar, again, you just got to stop eating it. I hate to say it because you don't want to hear it, but it's it's the truth. You got to stop eating it. Yeah, I think most people know that by now you're on the show. Right. So <laughs> I think we know that. We tried and yeah, it doesn't work. So yeah, thank you so much. Now tell everyone where you, they can find you more about yourself. And by the way, you have a book and you have a little, I love your little free book. It's like a little mini book. I did. That was really good. I liked that a lot. Oh, I'm glad you liked it. So tell people about that. So I wrote a, a book called Soul. I wrote a book called Tales from the Trance, and it's about stories of client experiences, kind of about the magic. But the earlier book that I wrote was actually about weight loss. It's called Feed Your Real Hunger. And once I wrote this great book, there was more I wanted to put in. So I wrote an, another little freebie book that you can get on my website. It's it's like third, you know, tenth of as long as a real book. But mm-hmm. you can go to my website, Soul Connect Hypnotherapy slash free, and download it. It's, something cream pie. We changed the name like five times. I can't remember something about cream pie. That's terrible. I can't remember. Yeah. All right. Sounds good already. It was a good book. (laughs) Yeah, it was great. I really loved it. And um, what other kind of work do you do? I'm a hypnotherapist. I also do intuitive readings. I do psychic readings for clients because I've always been really intuitive too, Mm -hmm. but I do occasionally do workshops and sometimes I'll do past life regression workshops and things like that. And those are always fun, but it's just fun. Okay, cool. And they can find all that on your website. So we'll make sure to link to that in the show notes. Jill, thank you so much for being here. That was really fun. I really enjoyed it. Oh, thanks for having me, Sean. I love the work that you do because I love putting out this message of getting healthy and doing it in a positive way. That's so much better than the messages that people are getting all the time. And thank you for for what you do. Yeah, there just needs to be more of us. We just need to continue to share this message and it will eventually get across and this will be the new way someday. Love it. That's my goal. (laughs) Thank you so much and we'll talk soon. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye.